Welcome back to the Why God Podcast. I'm Josiah. I'm Isaac Moore. Welcome back. And welcome back. So to recap of last last week or last episode, we talked about how to put God first. And right. that's giving him thanks. And that's by following the calling that he places on your life. What does it look like to put God first? Mm-hmm. It's to put you behind or behind mm. of him and everything else. It's not about exactly putting him into a box where you check it off the first hour of the day, but it's Jesus wants to be in every part, every sector of your life, and he wants to be the center or the first of everything. Convicting. But today we want to get into more about how the church uses that same statement in order to kind of manipulate people Mm. and to kind of crowd control people as well. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's not all bad, but also like there's good and then there's bad stuff. Of course, of course. But I want to get into how sometimes pastors or leaders use the phrase, in order to put God first, you have to, do a bunch of X, Y, Z for the church. Mm -hmm. That can go a lot of ways. Like there's, um, and the reason this is important to just be able to discern is definitely because, well, you can fall into this idea of thinking, once again, you're working your way into heaven. And nobody wants to get caught up into that. And, a, and an, another dangerous thing about that, another dangerous um, thing of what you're saying is, yeah, we can, we can start to become obedient to our pastors more than we are obedient to God. And then things like, things like tradition of, oh, our church does this, or, oh, we do this, becomes more important than actual things that the Bible says. Mm. And so that's why, I mean, like all the other weeks and all the other episodes, we push so much the importance of reading your scripture. And it really is to help you see through, really help you discern when sometimes not everything that everyone says aligns with the word. Not everyone is accurate. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is telling the truth as well. Interesting. Because even though we believe our church is really good at basing us off of the word, there are churches all across America and other countries that have a big twist on what Jesus says. Mm. Some of them don't even follow Jesus, but they claim to be Christians. Mm. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it's here. Mm-hmm. And it's invading our schools. <laughs> not to get too political. <laughs> it is true. And the thing is, if you... Like, very basic example. But it's a real problem that we deal with. Like, there's some people... Like, as the Christian faith, the thing is, we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Died and rose again for our sins so that we can be free. And there's some people who will take that narrative, will take that message, 
And they'll be like, oh, but Jesus isn't the son of God. He's just a really cool guy who did a lot of good things. And it's interesting because they're not anti-Jesus, but in the same way they are anti who he really is, his true identity. Mm. And so as last week, like when we talked about what does it look like to put God first, I think like this, we're kind of going into answering the question, what does it look like to put God first as, I guess, a congregation, as the body of Christ? And I would say the first thing, which is a really interesting thing, is to put God first is to to accept him and believe in him as he reveals himself, not how we want to interpret him to be. Like letting, mm. letting our lives be shaped around be shaped around who God is and his nature and his character rather than determining his character based on what we want in our life. Mm. And that comes down to, like how you said, there's sometimes, even in church, even in churches, there's abuse because sometimes maybe people want more money. Let's just go with that. Like a, a pastor will want yep. more money. So he will preach the prosperity gospel saying, if you tithe, if we need a private jet, if you give us this much money, then your life will become substantially better, which in a way through scripture, you can make stretches to be like, to be like, oh yes, tithing to God will make your life better. But it comes down to the most important thing is God knows the heart and God knows the intention mm -hmm. and God knows these things. And sometimes people use the name of God, take it in vain. They use it for their own gain, their own mm. preciousness. And it might be in a big way like that. Or sometimes it's a little way where maybe somebody just wants something in the moment really quick. So they use their influence or they use what they have or, or they use the influence of God. To be mm -hmm. like, oh, you have to do this for me because God, because God wants to. And it's like, well, sometimes that's not always the case if you're using it for your own selfish gain. Yeah. It's a dangerous world out there. That, that reminds me. We kind of brought it up last week about the seven sons of Sceva, where I heard the context is that their father was like an exorcist or some type of like witch doctor where, mm. I mean, it kind of makes sense why they're confident about going out and they can cast out or they think they can cast out demons is because, you know, they've seen it growing up or they're introduced into that culture. And when they see the other apostles going out and casting out demons, it's like, oh, we can do the same thing. But if you don't have Jesus when you're doing that thing, when you're doing those things, or Jesus when you're preaching or leading people, then there's no power behind it. And even when there is power, quotation marks behind it, it's from yourself. It's from pride. It's from. It's not from God. Yeah. And I like that we're getting into the money thing right, right now because <laughs> I wanted to bring up a video. I wish I wish we had video right now, but um. I was watching this apostle. Um, I definitely think fake, <laughs> but and you know who I'm talking about. I'm not gonna say her name, but she <laughs> she was casting this demon out of this boy, and mom was like was like crouched over him. He was laying on the ground, and she was saying. Oh, I think the spirit, or in order to cast out this demon, God is telling me that you should sow a seed. And sowing a seed 
it's just like giving money. You just have to give uh, money. And I, uh, uh, I just, I don't know. That just angers me because, dude. you know, you're taking a gift or like a tool or weapon of God and you're just using it to manipulate people for your own will. Mm-hmm. And like, I just hope, like, God, bring your judgment. <laughs> bring justice. Like, I don't want to be too um, specking my eye. But things like that, like, you know, you're, you're taking yes. God's name in vain. You're, you're putting disrespect on God. Mm-hmm. And we can all see through it. And even the, uh, some people don't, which also irritates me. It hurts. It hurts. And that, dude... And I get, I understand it because the thing is, like for people, for human beings, we get to a place where we struggle, whatever it is, and we become so desperate for something. Maybe it's recognition, maybe it's for a breakthrough and whatever thing. And obviously in this actually real video, like maybe the ladies making up stuff but this is a real event that happened mm-hmm. and happens all the time and it's like well first of all i just want to say if there's a ministry and it's named after a person sometimes that's mm. already something to consider like yeah. hmm, is this person making this all about themselves or are others just honoring them so they use their name yeah. like billy graham ministries yeah that's honorable but sometimes there's people who just like Will name their ministries All after about themselves me. so that people know their name more than God. And I don't know. God sees their hearts. God sees everyone's hearts. I can't be one to judge so quickly, but maybe that's something to be aware of. But anyways, getting into it, like just humans, us. Like there is no, there is no living a life of not worshiping something. Mm-hmm. It's just by our design. We're just default to fall into worshiping something like we're worshiping ourselves we're worshiping other people we're worshiping whatever it might be and obviously we were designed to worship god and our life is going to benefit the most from worshiping god but the thing is like when we don't realize that but we get so desperate for something then we end up like we end up falling for the traps of other people saying things like oh you gotta sow a seed because i would say it comes out of a place of like wanting to fill that void of mm-hmm. worship so it's like you almost you you do have compassion on these people because they're deceived in a way you're like oh you're not being the smartest but don't have i this is just me and i would think god has the same view from a lot of things he's said in the bible millstones etc but we don't have them i i personally don't have that much compassion on people who are are consciously leading people yes away from from worshiping god and leading them more towards worshiping themselves and i'm not directing that anybody or any specific thing because again i don't know fully unless i have like really seen it in person but some videos yeah they really do tell the whole story and you're just like dang a lot of thoughts go on in my head when i think this and none of them are too good because it's just like why like, if God is the main source, you can't serve God and money. Why do you make it money is a solution to your problems mm-hmm. that God can fill? And I think a lot of it comes through, like, the idea of 
now circling back to the question, the idea of sometimes looking like looking like you're putting God first and putting God first in your life, sometimes that looks like suffering. And a lot of us don't want to suffer. Like, personally, I don't want to suffer. But if it means suffering gets me closer to Christ, then I'm willing to suffer. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't always feel best, and suffering is still suffering at the end of the day. But, like, I mean, there's such a a desperation in the human soul to worship, to mm. want to to wanna reach after something, to find the solution, to maybe we're having a hard time, to find the answer, to find some peace. But the only peace that comes is from God. And sometimes you got to go through some suffering to get to that peace. Mm. I don't know. It's hard stuff. And people manipulate it so well. Like, you want peace? It's like a, one of those ads, you know? Uh, like a sham wow or something. Like, you want to clean up all the spills in your life? I have the solution for you. And everything is just like beckoning for that like attention. Like, hey, we got this. We got this. Like, this can happen. And it is, it is the worst when people go, oh, yes. I will use God's name to advertise it, but really all the profit goes to me. And I'm not just talking money profit, but like the praise goes to me. Yep. The glory goes to me. Like that's so dangerous. I th- and I think a lot of people fall for it. You know, maybe I would fall for it too of like, oh, Okay, I'll give a bunch of money in order to get healed. Or I'll work a whole bunch of hours at the church in order to see something mirac- miraculous happen in my life. And I think a part of that, is that it's not all bad, mm-hmm. but a part of that comes from like this lack of faith where it perpetuates that, that I can work for God's grace, that I can work for God's mm-hmm. blessings. You know, sometimes God does tell us to work and to put in the effort. But other times, God just freely gives. Like, I can work as much as I want to and um, strive for the best I can at, you know, helping people. But that's not the reason why God gives us grace or God gives us his salvation. He gives it freely, and then out of that, we do the works. Where it's, I don't know, this, and those people that use tactics like that like they're working around like the saved by faith aspect and they're saying oh in order to get saved in order to get relief or healed you need to you need you need to work you need to come follow me come follow all the teachings i i give not from the bible mm-hmm. you know you need to give uh you have to tithe tithe all your money but to to me mm-hmm. and then you'll have some type of purpose in your life yeah and I was talking about it with uh, our friend the other night, Spaghetti Night, shout out. <laughs> but like, we just hate people and or organizations that prey on people that don't have direction in their life in order to have them a part of your community. Yeah. And at that point, it's kind of like a cult. Yeah. And it's so dangerous because, and this is the thing, if you're probably listening and you're like, if someone's listening, they're like, oh yeah, that's so obvious. Like I would never let that happen to me. But yet, like, just as, as um, I guess, somebody who has ever shopped, like, we fall so easily for this trap thinking, like, oh, I need the newest, latest phone. 
such an analogy that's overused, but it's like, I need the newest and latest thing. Like we, we just give in to this idea that like, I guess we can just buy our happiness kind of. Mm -hmm. We're like, Oh yes. Once I get this shirt, I will actually finally be happy. Or once I do one more dub in Fortnite and I am satisfied with my life. The thing is sometimes you lose or sometimes your shirt gets old and sometimes time progresses or you get the iPhone and then next year the new one comes out and you're like unsatisfied again. And like, it it is like that. Like we become self-serving and like, it's so easy. We just give into this idea that like, Oh, we need, we need this next new thing because we're really governing our lives and our decisions by our own selfish desires. But even to make it more practical, like, I forget what I was thinking about when you were saying it, but I had a really good idea. <laughs> I had a really good thought. Oh, like when you were saying, when you were saying how not everything's bad, you are kind of right. Because, well, I don't know how to explain it, but I know, I think it's in First Timothy, and it says something about like, there has to come a time where we move from elementary teaching mm-hmm. to going deeper. Like from the like, milk and honey to the meat yeah, we, and potatoes. We, we move from milk, the easy things, and we start diving deeper into yeah. the meat. And so I know like even my personal journey with God, obviously, over time I've grown to learn things. Over time I've grown and learned a lot of lessons through a lot of mistakes. And I don't think God is at every corner being like, or at every mess up I've made, he's like, you're a heretic, you're awful, you're doing all these things wrong and you're going to go to hell. And like every time I just slowly grace by, but like, obviously I sin and mess up and not even that, but sometimes I just believe false things because mm-hmm. I'm I, in my own way, I get desperate and whatever. But I think there's a grace to that is like, where sometimes we're stuck in elementary teachings. And I would say that our, our way to move on past that, or we get like, cause obviously growing up in the church, I didn't start off just straight reading my Bible. I couldn't even read. I had somebody, mm-hmm. I learned by word of mouth, the story of Noah's Ark and like Daniel and the lion's den and just like cool little things. Like you learn these things, you see the little pictures. I'm like two years old or five years old. And they, there's like the little puppet show and the nativity scenes. And there's all these things. And like, not everything's accurate. Like the nativity scenes have a perfectly white Jesus. And as a lot of us who know that Jesus was, he wasn't that European looking and a little bit darker. Like there's just things where not everything is accurate, but the thing is like we start from somewhere and then we progress over time. And the thing that defines whether you're being misled or not is you guessed it. Are you keeping in step with the spirit? Are you Mm, reading the word of God? Yes. Like, are you letting it be a lamp to your feet, like guiding your steps? Because eventually you're, you are going to move, move past like what you, where you started in your journey and your faith with God, like you're growing and you, and you are like, it's a developing relationship every day of your life. And so it's like, like, don't get stuck in just listening to people. It's a good thing. People have so much wisdom, but the word, the Bible, Jesus has so much more wisdom to offer. And that should be the first thing, the first priority in your life. And you can tell the difference because 
what does it look like for somebody who puts Jesus first? It looks like somebody who is confident, who is hopeful, who knows right from wrong, who knows truth from a lie, even if it's just the simplest tweak. Like the devil was quoting scripture to Jesus, but he could see straight through it because Mm -hmm. he knew it so well. And so I think like for us, like it's okay to be in confusion in a moment. It's okay for us to like, like if you're, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh man, I'm this type of person, like I've sown a seed or I've, (laughs) I've donated just so that I could get money back. It's like, it's like, you're not wrong, but sometimes you're misled. And I think it's because Mm -hmm. we trust other things before we trust Jesus first. Mm. And so I think in our desperation, we should be hungry for the word. We should be hungry for Jesus first. And that, boy, is that convicting to me? Because I'm like, well, sometimes I don't know. I just want to do other things. I just have other other things on my mind to ease my mind. And I don't go to the Bible first, but it really is the game changer, if you will. Like our lives shouldn't look the same if we're putting Jesus first. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important. If you're a listener, it's so important to read the Bible because if you know the word, you're not going to be misled mm-hmm. or misled as much. Okay, so in my Filipino culture <laughs> class in college, um, they're talking about how they sent or the foreigners came and they took some of the workers to work overseas. But their main targets were single males who didn't have an education. Oh. And the reason why they wanted single males that didn't have an education is because they're easier to control. If they don't have a family at home, well, they have nothing to work for. They'll have no problem coming over and listening to every rule and working you know, days and nights for a little pay. And if they don't have an education, well, they, they'll never get an opportunity to get out of that situation. And they're more likely to stay. Mm. Kind of the same with the Bible. If you don't read the Bible, if you're not educated, how are you ever going to be set free from any of the lies that may be fed to you? Ugh, come on. And right last week we were talking about you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to God, you're a slave to righteousness. Mm-hmm. But it kind of gets in the gray area when someone who claims that they're a Christian like misleads you. And, and now instead of being a slave to God, you're more of a slave to that false uh, teacher. Yeah. And you're only a slave to that false teach, teaching is because you haven't read the truth in the Bible. Ugh. And uh, it's scary. You have to read the Bible. And, yeah. you ha- and you have to read it in context too. One of, okay, one of this, like a saying that I don't, or an argument from pastors that I hear is because the Bible said so. Or because because it's in the Bible. Mm. And it's it's not wrong when they're quoting the scripture and it's correct. But you can't just say it as an argument and not back it up with the Bible. I was listening to this one um, preacher on YouTube. And he was explaining the rapture. And he's more of a, um, like a realist that everything's going to happen the way it says and the numbers and the years. And his only argument for, oh, it's why is, this is why it's like this is because it's in the Bible mm-hmm. or because the Bible says so without quoting any scripture. Yeah. And if you trust someone like that and you 
you know, you put your faith and you follow them, well, of course they're going to mislead you because they're not even leading themselves with the Bible. They're just manipulating you with words mm. and affirmations. Dangerous. So dangerous. Martin Luther would be kicking in his grave right now if he could hear that. Rolling. <laughs> but yeah. It becomes so... I don't know. It's like... I, I mean, obviously, it's easy to lie to somebody when they don't know anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's your first time at somebody's new... Ah. <laughs> no, I won't share that story. But... <laughs> There's just like when you meet somebody for the first time, basically you can say whatever you want to them and they'll believe it. You can even say, you're like, hey, what's up? My name's Jake. Then they look at you and they think your name's Jake because they don't know you. Mm -hmm. They haven't spoken to you. Oh my gosh. But if you spend your whole life with them and they are your literal brother and they know your mom and Mm -hmm. they watched you be named Isaac and you tell them one day, hey, my name's Jake, they're obviously going to think you're joking. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's lying. And it's like, it's the same with that, where people are like, Jesus says to give us money right now. And you're like, well, actually, I think you're um, kind of taking that out of context. Like, it's so simple mm-hmm. because, but if you never spend any time with Jesus and you never spend any time with the word and what he said, then obviously you're going to be like, oh, wow, he really said that? That's crazy. Okay. Like, it's just so, it's so easy if you know nothing. And so, I mean, obviously me and Josiah can't force you to read the Bible, but it'll help you a lot, especially with the salvation of your soul. (laughs) And you also have to root your identity within the Bible because if you don't, then people can come along and change that as well. Mm. If you put your trust in, in man, in humans, and like just leadership alone without the Bible, we can say, oh, you, you can be anything you want to be, or you can be anything that I tell you you are, and wh- which is not the identity of Christ. You can, you can be a dog if you want to, but you know, God, God made you the way you are. He didn't make you into an animal or into a dog. That's why you have to root yourself in the Bible instead of rooting yourself in your own beliefs and into man. That's why... Uh, I'm not sure if these words will go over your head, but like the Protestantism versus like Catholicism, <laughs> where on one hand it's, or I guess it's not just related to those two alone, but it's the fact of is the word of God greater than the church or is the church greater than the word of God? Mm. Because if the word of God is greater than, than the church, then the church will follow the Bible and what the Bible says and the laws and Jesus' teaching. But if the church is greater than the Word of God, then you can have people like the Pope say, oh, God told me that it's time to change this law. It's time to change this rule. Mm. And, and the Pope can make it whatever he wants to if he has all the power and control over those people. Indeed. The big authority thing. And that's why, and just so you guys know, we aren't... Um, we aren't just making this heresy up because if you want to say because there's people listening to us and the thing is we can back this up with scripture so I wanted to read yes, please. the words of Jesus and I don't even know where to start because this whole chapter is a banger so I'm just going to just 
We're just going to go into it. Go for it. You stop me at any time you feel like it. Go off. Say whatever you got to say. I'm just going to read because I think, and this is Matthew 23. And I think it's so, uh, I don't know. It's so much information. But basically, it's just talking, don't be a hypocrite. And don't, don't be a bad leader. And so, I don't know. It's kind of everything we've been saying. But like everything we've been talking about, I feel like this is kind of where I'm coming from. And it just says this. In Matthew 23, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees. Pharisees back then were just religious leaders, if you must know. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do, so do, and observe whatever they tell you. So basically, all right, I'll stop already. Basically, Jesus just said, said to do what the religious leaders tell them to do. Like, he's basically saying, listen to your pastor, but not the works they do. Do what they say, but don't do the works that they do. Why is that? And Jesus says, it's because for they preach, but do not practice. Oh, that sounds familiar. Mm. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their for they make their phylact phylactric phylacteries phylacteries broad and their and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Dude, it's like, ah, oh man. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because right here, Jesus, the Son of God, also God, is saying, like, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Like, it's not the person who sits in the best seat in the house. It's not mm-hmm. the person who's screaming on stage. It's not the person who's doing and saying all these crazy things. But it's the person who's living out the servanthood, the love mm-hmm. of Christ. And Jesus says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Even though they say what's right, they still shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who enter to go in. I just think about how scary it would be for Jesus Christ himself to be saying to you that you're not going to enter into heaven. Oh, that would be the most terrifying thing. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, I don't, I think this means like kind of like a follower of them. You, like a, like a convert. You make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Woe to you, blind guides. They're depicted as blind guides. They're supposed to be the pastors of the day. They're supposed to be the preachers of the day. Or the the upholded law, these like great people. <laughs> this is gnarly. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the same 
the God of the religion that they're supposed to be endorsing, they're supposed mm-hmm. to be pushing, the top dog in their religion is calling them blind guides. Who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold Mm. sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. Jesus just hates that. It says, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. So it's not just about worshiping the gift, but it's also about, about like swearing by the altar on which the gift lays mm-hmm. on. So it's not just about like it's not just about praising the money or the tithe or the the deliverance or the breakthrough or the blessings, but it's about who is the blesser, who is the one receiving our tithe, mm. who is the one receiving our worship. Like so many people will go like city and love hill song we love like this like they're so good or this person or this pastor is so amazing and yes it's true they're probably amazing the worship's probably amazing the things are probably amazing but what makes them amazing is that they're proclaiming jesus and it's Mm -hmm. like it's so easy because it looks exactly the same and yet we fall for the trap of worshiping what has been made rather than who the maker is which even goes back to um fearfully and wonderfully made is that we're not just worshiping the the thing that was created, but we're worshiping the fearful and wonderful creator. And it just goes, woe to you. And the thing is like, if a leader is only about themselves or only about the things that they're doing, then they're taking our gaze, our eyes off of, off of what is, what is truly the source, what is truly the center of it all. It's like substituting like one of those, one of those, um, heat lamps or like the actual sun mm-hmm. like spray tans and stuff like that mm. it's like dude yeah spray tan is cool you get darker but you really get the good stuff from the actual sun the vitamins the whatever wear your sunscreen but it's like dude why why settle at such a fake at such a false substitute something so bland maybe it might do the same thing but it it doesn't compare ultimately that's God. But whoa. And then Jesus keeps going, man. He's not joking. He says, and whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. See, it's God. It's all coming from God. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is like the third time he said that. For you tithe and mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And, and the imagery there is basically like like straining out a gnat. Oh, I can read it right here. It's a says in my study Bible, the rabbis strained wine to remove any small unclean insects that could contaminate it. Mm. Swallowing a camel, the camel was the largest animal in Palestine and it was unclean. Jesus is overstating to make a point 
that the Pharisees had become lost in the details while neglecting the law's major purposes. Like if you do all these little things thinking you're pleasing God, but you miss the whole point and the whole purpose of it, then you, then you are completely missing the mark. Because the heart of God's law, the heart of the things that God wants from us, isn't that we would just give money, isn't that we would just do things, isn't that we would just be successful, but it's that would be loving and bringing glory to him through the love and the actions. And he says, he says more, you blind Pharisees, you cleaned the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside first, oh, he says, you blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also may be clean. It's not about cleaning the outside of the cup. You know, they just clean the outside of the Mm -hmm. cup, but they leave the dirt on the inside and then they drink it, dude. Why do we live our lives like that? And weren't they complaining to the disciples that they that the disciples didn't wash their hands? Yes, before they ate. But then themselves are unclean on the inside. Mm-hmm. And that goes kind of along with the verse from Hebrews 4 where, um, you know, all these animal sacrifices, they cleanse your outwardness. But what cleanses you more than the unblemished sacrifice, which is Jesus? Mm-hmm. So if you don't have Jesus as your sacrifice, um, I'm not sure if he's like kind of like a representation of the gift on the altar or something. In a way. In a way. So if he's not that sacrifice, if he's not that gift, then what is cleaning these Pharisees of their sins? Nothing. And they are unclean. And if you're unclean on the inside, who are you to tell these other people anything? You have no authority on heaven or earth. Sorry, continue. No, no. That's fire. Is it? Yeah. That's fire. <laughs> This comes down to what's the real purpose? What's more important, you know? And it's like, huh, not to sound mean, but it's like, like especially in marriages, we just had friends that got married, and you think about it, and... Oot, oot. Huh? Hooray. Hooray. Shouts out to the Good homies. Thing. But the thing is, like, like, when you get married... I hope you don't marry them just because they look good, but because mm. of what's on the inside. Because eventually, you're both like 70 years old, and they don't look the same as when they looked when they were 20 or <laughs> whatever. And so the thing is like, yeah, like in the moment, you might think you're so righteous because you did this outward thing that's amazing. Like you got the makeup on. But what really is the reason God accepts us? Is because mm-hmm. in our hearts we have loved them, not just like and be and from our hearts comes the actions that show it and prove it. But like if somebody's just doing the action, but in their heart they're just like whatever, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just want to look good, and it's like you will look good. And even Jesus says that He says those who like go out and they pray in the synagogues and they they say all this stuff and they stand on the stage and whatever, like they get their reward. But truly, you, if you go in secret and you pray, God rewards you in secret. Like, mm. like what, is, what is more important that you want? Is it to look good or is it to be, is it to be like loved and cherished like that somebody would, somebody would die for you mm. kind of thing? And I'm not talking Jesus. I'm talking like other people because Jesus died for everybody in the hopes that you would turn to him. But anyways, I'll just keep reading. It says, <clears throat> 
says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's like the fifth time he said it. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful. Oh, man, did I know I was going to say this part? Which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and are and all uncleanness. That's a bar. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Oh, Dude, I didn't know God. this was going to say this right out there. He's roasting them. But man, see, Jesus ain't messing around, dude. It's not It's not all this outside stuff. The outside stuff comes from being mm. clean and devoted to God on the inside. Like, what are you doing in secret? What are you doing on your free time? Oh man, now I'm convicted. What are you doing when you <laughs> what are you doing when you got the time? Like, are you really doing it? Don't be a hypocrite. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you broad of vipers. He, Jesus is just roasting them. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you. Well, it's funny that he says that because it's rhetorical because Jesus is the answer. But the thing is, in their actions, in their deeds, they're rejecting Jesus. Mm. He says, therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify. He's talking about himself almost. And some of you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town so that on so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barachik. Baratia, sorry, Baratia. whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. And Jesus is calling these people righteous, and they murdered him. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hen gatherers, her broad under her wings and you were not willing see your houses see your house is left to you desolate for i tell you you will not see me again until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord bro jesus is in a way he's predicting his own death but he's like hey mm. you are so blinded by your own selfish desires your own things your own way of thinking that if the God of the world stood right in front of you right now and told you all the answers, you wouldn't listen. And he's literally doing that. It's like, and so that's why it's so important to really like, like as a believer in Christ, are you really believing in Christ? Like, mm -hmm. are you keeping in step? Are you staying? Are you really, are you really about it? Because Jesus, he's there and he's present. And he's speaking and he's doing things. And yet, because of our disobedience, because of our own ideas, because Jesus doesn't fit what we want him to fit, we kill him and we reject him. Mm. And Jesus died on the cross, not at the hands of a bunch of people who, who 
were anti-God, but a bunch of people who were supposed to be the religious ones. Mm. And it's because they didn't have the real view of who he was. Yeah. And that it made me think of another verse in Matthew, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And this is the verse that scares like every Christian <laughs> or every real Christian. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Um, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, your works, your, your workers of lawlessness. Ugh. And I don't know that kind of ties back into the story I was oh, talking yeah. about of the lady like casting out demons. Like, I mean, she, she must it must work sometimes at mm -hmm. least because that's her job. But I don't know. It's kind of that apologetics question of, well, if she's not doing it for Jesus and she's doing it for herself, how could she cast out demons in Jesus's name? And I think I have two possible answers to that. The first being that there's power in the name of Jesus regardless of who says it. And I'm not sure why that doesn't work in the seven sons of Sceva, but regardless, I do believe that there's power in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if someone believes in that power, believes that Jesus can do those things and has the faith, then it could work. Not sure why, but it, it can work. It says here that they casted out demons in their name. So, you know, I'm, I'm, re I'm reading it, so it must work. And the second explanation I because have... Because the Bible says so. No, I'm just joking. The second explanation that I could think of is that if you're a false prophet or a false exerciser and you, you cast out a demon, and so if you were the demon... And you wanted to fool a bunch of people into thinking that this person has the power of Jesus. What would you do? You'd probably leave the boy, or you'd probably um, make it seem like this lady cast, casted you out. Hmm. So maybe it's not that um, they ca they casted out demons and it worked, but but the demons are smarter than you think, and they're playing along with the game of you know. Or this person wants to make it all about themselves. All right, let's do it. Because all these people that they're leading, well, they're not being led to God. And that's the whole goal of the enemy is to lead people away from Christ. Yeah. So, uh, a little doozy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for, for regular Christians, we take that verse and we apply it to ourselves. And it's, it's a heart check. Because why, why am I doing the things that I do? Why am I volunteering at church? Why am I going out, feeding the homeless, and doing all these great things? Is it for the Lord? Is it for thy will of my Father in heaven? Or is it for my own name? Mm -hmm. Like I, can, I, I pray that when I get to Judgment Day and Jesus is in front of me, he says, like, oh, Josiah, you made it. And, and you know, he doesn't say that, depart from me. That would be the scariest <laughs> thing. So for the regular viewer, just take into check, take into heart every day. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Is it for God or is it for yourself? Or is it for you know, your own personal?
subscribe. Amen. And that's even, oh man, I think it's in the, I think it's in the chapter right before, but it, it talks about like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing is like, uh, you know, like do it in, do it in secret. Like you don't have to announce to everyone how good you are because it should be coming out of your love for Christ. And so it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Like, who would you rather have let you into heaven? Everybody who's seen you do good things or Jesus? Because I know one has authority and the other one has There's no only one authority. that can. Yeah, the only one who can do it is Jesus. And so why do we strive so hard for everyone else's approval if ultimately it grants us no reward, basically? Lack like, you faith. get a billion followers and still. And yeah, I mean... Practically, it's a struggle because God is invisible and all this stuff. But the thing is, the love is real. The fruits are real. The When we live selfishly, we – I don't know. Do you get that feeling? I know when I live selfishly. Yes. And I think it's the thing is you are a new creation, especially when you are a Christian and you, and you give your life to Christ. The conviction, it hits sometimes mm -hmm. because the spirit and the flesh – I guess it, they're at war it with should each hit. other. Yeah, it should hit. And if it's not hitting, maybe you're perfect. Or you're not following Christ yeah. closely. And maybe there's some things you need to check out. But, like, I don't know. All that to say is, uh, too, I don't, I don't want anybody to be scared, though, of this idea. Because mm -hmm. there are so many, you know, Jesus is, like, calling these people out. And he's, like, putting their head in the guillotine, basically. And it's like, dude, that's crazy. And I don't want anybody be, to be scared because ultimately, like, with Jesus, we already have the victory. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's not like, oh, no, okay, so I have to reject all my teachers. Now who do I have to go to? It's like, dude, you have Jesus Christ. Like, like the dude. Mm -hmm. He died. And then he came back to life. Like, like, no one else is more credible. No one else is more legit no one else is more is gonna save you the way that this guy can do it and i think it's like it's like it's like we think oh man i'm in such a bad position or i'm in such a dangerous place in a dangerous world where everyone's lying to me it's like yes true but the truth is so tangible in this thing called the bible and like prayer and our direct cell phone to god like we have more than enough to, to, to not need to be afraid for our own salvation, kind of. Mm -hmm. Now that sounds kind of um, dicey to explain. But there's a confidence mm -hmm. that we can trust that God is better, God is greater, that, that God has everything under control. And when we follow him, we don't have to be worried if we're being led astray because he is the way, the truth, mm -hmm. and the life. And so if we're following people and they're like, I got all the answers. It's like, if your answer is not Jesus, then you don't got any answers worth my time. Yes. Basically, because like, if it's not come from Christ, then it's not that good. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. That reminds me of my class that I just finished. It's the, it's the end of the semester. And shout out. My, my Hebrew professor, he's not a Christian, but he, uh, you know, he's a Jew. 
or in Judaism. And sometimes it's hard to sit in his class because mm. he'll throw out different um, ideas or explanations of the Bible that we, we as Christians have never heard of. Like they throw out, oh, there's a second creation story with this guy named Tiamat. I'm not going to get into that right now. Dude, or like, what are you talking or about? Or that um, there's two Noah creation story or Noah flood accounts. There's multiple people that wrote the like the Old Testament or like the Pentateuch. That's not Moses. And and you know they they don't believe that Adam and Eve were like a real thing. They think it was more of just a metaphorical story or an analogy. Hmm. But like. I'm like I'm sitting there in class and I feel like I'm the only Christian in class because I'm the only one like struggling to try to piece this all together or see where's the where the lie is or where God is in any of this. And you know, even my teacher said um God says he makes a mistake in the Bible when he talks about how he flooded the earth. But like when you look at it okay, you look at the word and you look at God. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent, like omnipresent. But he's also holy. So if he can allow God to make a mistake, then everything kind of falls apart because why would you worship a God that can make mistakes? That's why you, um, you have to be very careful when you're like deconstructing the Bible because you don't want to deconstruct God. Because if you deconstruct mm -hmm. God to the point where you don't believe in him, then nothing matters at all. And I'm not I don't understand how people that don't believe in like Jesus, where Jesus gives you the gift of salvation. I don't get how anything matter matters if you have to work for salvation, if you have to follow all these laws, if you have to or if it's only a certain sector of people or a race that gets to go to heaven. I don't understand how their God is good or how like, why would you follow a God like that? Hmm. So it's important. Okay, so kind of tying things together is that we have to put God first. So we have to put the word of God first in our lives over our leaders and preachers because we want to make sure that we're following the right things, mm -hmm. that we're not being misled. And when we look at the word of God, we have to keep God's character intact. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, nothing really matters, and you can live your life as sinful as you want, or you know whatever you want. Yeah. So, I don't know that's just kind of my tip. When you're looking at the Bible, keep God's character intact, and keep it aligned with Jesus. And when other people, I don't know, have different beliefs that doesn't follow Jesus, then maybe you should be more critical of them and not let them influence your beliefs as much. Totally. And I mean, you know, it's like. Yeah, you can't just take one verse, and people do this all the time, and it's equally dangerous if you are preaching and talking about it. But it's like people – sorry, I know it's almost over. But people will take one verse and say, this is God, and that is so dangerous. And they'll say, the Bible said so. Yeah, and in a way, they're true. And you know who else did that? The devil. He mm, said, that's very good. He'll, he'll drop one – verse he says talking to jesus he says oh doesn't the scripture say um he won't let your feet get hurt jump like off jump off this cliff 
And then God's like, yes, but also, buddy, there's all this other stuff. And so it's like, you know, if somebody was meeting me and I was having a bad day or I had some bad Taco Bell the night before, I was just <laughs> ripping up a slum, just <laughs> farting all the time. They'd be like, oh, that guy's so stinky. He's the worst. <laughs> the thing is like, oh, you only met me for five seconds and I was farting a lot. Like, come on, man. The circumstance, like, I'm still a nice guy. I do all these things. And like, same way, like, if you go into a building, like a 50-story building, it's got office buildings on the bottom, maybe a gym, maybe a pool, maybe like living spaces and game room and all this stuff. Mm, but you're room. only led to like the janitor closet, toilet room. And you're just like, oh, this building sucks. Like it's so stinky. Mm. But all you know is that one room. Then you judge and you judge the whole building on that one room. Mm. If it's like a billion dollar, billion dollar um, fire. tower, like, like you're like, bro, like this is a castle. This is a palace. And like, but you judge it based on this one tiny thing. The same thing is like people like they make these assumptions about God by only seeing like a glimpse of his glory or mm. an inch or a story. Like it's like, or like, you know, like even celebrities too, one bad picture and everyone's like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this person's the worst. Like, dude, he just had bad hair day. It was like, <laughs> you really going to judge them on something that's completely like, like, and, and God is perfect and God is holy. And like two, another thing is like you can't go judging God just off of one faulty Christian too. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these things is where there's so much imperfectness surrounding the world and all these things, but there's a perfect God mm-hmm. who it wasn't his desire that they, that things would be un, imperfect, but it was his desire out of love that us humans would have free will. And you know what we did? We made things imperfect. Yep. And so it's like, it's like we can't go judging God on even our own stuff. On the problems that we made. And it's, it's like, ah, it says it in Matthew 23. He's like, it's like, dude, you say you wouldn't have killed the prophets, but you do it already. Mm. It's like, you say, like, you say, oh, a perfect God wouldn't, wouldn't get rid of all these people in the flood. It's like, bro, you are the type of person he would have gotten rid of <laughs> from the flood. It's like, you're just proving case in point right there. Mm. And by rejecting him, it's like, and that's what it is. Like at, at the end of the day, at the end of time, he is going to get rid of the people who have rejected him. Not because that was his plan all along, but because those people don't want to spend eternity with him. Mm. Those people don't want to be with God. And all he wants is you to be with him. He doesn't want you to just give a billion dollars to the homeless. He doesn't want you to just look righteous on the outside. He wants you to want him in return because he wants you. And so he's not going to force you to be in a place where he dwells. And I'm talking about heaven. He doesn't, he's not going to force you to join him in heaven where he is, where his love is. If you have rejected his love, if you have rejected Mm. his presence on earth, why would you get the full presence in heaven? Because you don't want it now. And so I was like, dude, Uh, but there's there's a Bible. Oh, man. And there's a Bible that reveals all the truths and all the things to you. And there's a God who listens to us. And so I'm sorry that I only come up with this epiphany right now. But (laughs) lean into God first. Mm. there's beautiful wisdom there's beautiful things in community and fellowship but put god 
first, and you'll see the fruits. Yeah. It. Uh, I guess as we, if we start to wrap up, it's so, it's really difficult because a lot of the faulty Christians are the ones that are super popular. Hmm. And they're only super popular because they don't tell the whole truth about the gospel or they tell the good things about it. Or they're very popular and they have a platform to preach to people, but they don't live life, they don't live Christ-like. So they portray a bad image of what the church is, of what Christianity, of what Jesus is, because they have, they have the name of Jesus, like, like Jesus on, on their forehead, but they don't have Jesus in their heart. And like you said, it's not about giving a billion dollars away to someone, but it's do you have the image of Christ embedded in your being, in your heart? How can you be with God who is the source of the image or the source of the light when you're not even reflecting the light or you're not even portraying the light that he gives you? You're just rejecting it. So, no, you know, it kind of makes sense that you're in utter darkness or fire. If you're rejecting the light that he gives you, which is, no, his grace, which is Jesus. So going back, we have to put God first. We have Have to put the word first. (laughs) And we have to check ourselves every day. Oh, yeah. And we have to check what is coming into our minds and the thoughts and ideas and the people that are influencing us every day. Mm. So to answer the question, what does it look like for somebody who puts Christ first? Let me answer the question of what does it look like for somebody who doesn't put Christ first? Mm. Big old sack of dead bones, dude. Not good, man. (laughs) Not fun. But yeah, we'll see you next time. After we pray right here. (laughs) God, (laughs) thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you for all the listeners who would take the time out of their day to just listen to what me and Joseph have to say. Obviously, none of it is um, 100% perfect or um, even 100% correct. God, we have our own beliefs and our own convictions, God, and we pray that you would do a good work in us and through us, and we pray that um, you would guide and lead the listener to the truth and through whatever means you do that, Lord, but we pray that you would just stoke a fire in their heart to want to, um, to have the desire for you, God, to have the desire to um, put you first in their lives and to really see the fruits. God, I pray that that would affect their circles of influence, the people around them, Lord. Not not that they have to strive for it, Lord, but it would just come naturally from their their actions that are flowing from their heart, that is flowing from their love and desire for you. Because you are amazing. You've loved us first, God. You've died for us first. You've served us first. You've set the perfect example of how to live and how to be. And I pray that we would all just... Um, be like that more. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for another um, great podcast. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Pray. Amen. Amen. On the Why God Podcast. Why God Podcast. Oh.